0: Good evening and welcome to our latest edition of the Edgy Futurist podcast. I nearly struggled to say Edgy Futurist then. It's just the two of us tonight. Steve is uh, loving it up, living it up, whatever we want to call it, in in Gay Perry with his uh, stripy jumper and, and whatever else. He did send us a picture of himself wearing a stripy jumper with the Eiffel Tower. So Steve, Sarah, we're having a lovely time. I think Sarah's had a big birthday, so celebrating that there. So it's just uh, me and Dan. Uh it's, 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 I feel like it, we're, we're back to the original. Damn, this is like the in the studio with the EduTech project today, right?
1: Oh yeah, it's a long time ago that. It is a long that's, time ago. They're still on the podcast channel, aren't they? If you scroll right to the bottom,
0: yeah. I wonder if any wonder if anybody has been a loyal listener since episode one and has listened to every podcast episode apart, apart from, from mom.
1: Ben's mum. <laughs> is that what you just is that what you were saying there no, just what i'm
0: just yeah. saying yeah yeah The, <laughs> little, the mom that's done it, and i don't even i think she's got bored of it now she says why do you keep talking about crypto and nfts i was like Mum, we stopped talking about that about six six nine months ago i gone into ai now that's all we're talking about now <laughs> what's gonna be our next thing yeah uh, just kidding just kidding dan how, how are you doing you've been uh right. actually i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say how you're doing because um Ladies and gents, uh, we are in uh, the the midst of a celebrity. Um, <laughs> he's, he's he's just worked out what his wager is. for getting on I'm a celebrity with Anton Deck. Do you know he knows Anton Deck? I don't know if you know if he knows Anton Deck. But um, uh, a, Dan he is a celebrity. He was on uh, Good Morning Britain earlier this week, weren't you, Dan? Maybe, yeah. maybe tell, tell tell us talk to us a little bit about that experience because that that's, oh, yeah, uh, I, you text a little text. You just went lads, lads, lads. We well, didn't say lads, lads, lads. You just went lads. Dot dot dot, and we were all <laughs>
1: like, Yeah, what is it? And you went, I'm gonna be on Good Morning Britain tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> about you, man. Yeah, it was I, I, a majority of the people who listen to this are in America, aren't they? So I, thought, I think there is an American version, the, the original version called Good Morning America. So, uh, it yeah, so it's uh, one of the big uh, breakfast kind of news shows in the UK. Yeah, it was it, it was, I think it was about two weeks ago that. Some one of the producers DM'd me and said, Oh, we're gonna we might be doing something on chat GPT and AI. Um would you come on if 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 it happened? Like replied saying, Yeah, sounds good, and then didn't get a reply till like three days later. <laughs> and, she, and, she, and then she like messaged me back, and said, Oh yeah, we didn't run with it in the end. Um so I was like, Yeah, oh, fair enough, forgot all about it. And then um on on Monday, I think it was Monday afternoon, I got a I noticed, I was in a meeting at work and i noticed her uh the same person pop up on my phone um essentially saying can you we're gonna pay for a train can you come down to london tonight and appear on the show tomorrow uh so yeah did that got went out to london stayed got there slept in a hotel got up the next morning and went into the studio and uh yeah it was it's very bizarre it feels like a bit of a blur now but uh they they essentially set it up as a bit of a debate so there was myself and um somebody called daisy krista do do, do do oh my god sorry sorry daisy i've absolutely murdered your name there <laughs> <laughs> and, and the worst thing is i I don't know how to say it so i can't do is it yeah yeah i think it is yeah um uh so she she if you if you've heard of daisy she she works for a company called no more Mar- no more Marking. um she's, she's a author um i think she's, she could brought a book out last year the year before called teacher teachers versus tech about how to use tech to support teaching but uh, daisy's pretty much she's very much kind of not not kind of in the tone of this podcast she's very much kind of she supports very much traditional style teaching she's into tech but she says only if it supports traditional style teaching so as you can imagine quite different to to the angle that that we take and that i was going to take on the show so um she was pre- representing one point of view i was representing the other one other point of view which was essentially should should ai be used in exams and to be honest and this is the first thing i said to her so i went in and i was they took me for makeup, so you got to go into like a makeup <laughs> room and like. What are you being uh, in Everything. <laughs> well, they've got to like this, this forehead on TV would just be like would just take people's eyes out the the, the reflection <laughs> of it. So we got to, yeah, you would to put a off, you would be off. <laughs> So um, was in there then di- then when I came out, Daisy just arrived. I think I, I'd got there a bit earlier than that. and we were chatting and I, and and I said, you know what, I think I think on this issue we're probably about ninety nine percent agree. On, on all of this really um apart from i think daisy's react daisy's instinct on this is that um because because of ai there shouldn't be any more coursework so students take and work home and um because ai would be to help do it for them essentially um or open exams um but so her reaction is more um closed book uh exams more of it essentially And I suppose my argument was, which will be no surprise, is that actually maybe we should look at the exam system and and update it and be more creative with it. And and why don't if 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 students in the workplace are going to have to use AI in their jobs, which they will have to, why don't we get them to use it within exams and be a bit more creative about how we assess them? So it's not just rote learning that the information that they're regurgitating in an exam, but um, how are they working on working on something with the eye and i suppose it goes back to what uh our guest last week said about maybe it's time we started assessing what students have learned and how they've applied it rather than just assessing what we've taught um so fit fit, fit and really nice it was yeah it was interesting. it was obviously it was a it's a prime national television program so there were celebrities hanging about um got uh, matt hancock who was the former health secretary during the pandemic who kind of got sacked in disgrace he was on just before us and was very tense backstage because he was he was getting torn to shreds by the presenters essentially and then, <laughs> and then when i came when i came out of the studio back into the green room uh guess he was just sat there in a chair it was matthew kelly
0: i saw that yeah, yeah. Our, our our u.s um, uh, audience are very, very unlikely to know in it, but I, hope, I, hope, as you went on, I hope you came out. And you said tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be. I hope
1: you did. Yeah, well, yeah, he used to be like back in, the, probably back in the 90s. Now he was like a prime time TV presenter, presented yeah. big shows on Saturday Night TV in in the UK. Um, and I walked back into the green room, and he he'd just been watching us on the TV because it was a big TV there. And he he like, as soon as I walked in, he was like, "Oh, great job!" And then he put his hand out to say. And he put his, he put his hand out and said, hi, I'm Matthew. And I said, I know who you are. I said, I grew up with you on TV. <laughs> he, was like, yeah. he was like, yeah, I get that a lot. And then we, it was really good actually. Cause I got a selfie with him obviously. And, um, and then I, I asked if he was on Twitter. Cause I was like, I'll tag you in, tag you in it on Twitter. And uh, he, he, then we had a big discussion cause he's not on social media. He doesn't understand social media. So we had a big discussion around that. That was good. Really lovely bloke, lovely bloke, charming, witty, big character. Um. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. A, it was an amazing experience, and now a few days later, it just feels like a bit of a blur. To be honest. Um, no,
0: well, he can't say that because now on on the on Dan's website it says uh, <laughs> appeared on as 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 appeared on Good Morning Britain ITV. So so Dan's um uh, yeah is a, is a celebrity now, mate, and I'm I'm really grateful that you would give us the time of day, Dan, to uh, spend time. No, it's good.
1: I think it's good, like so. The stuff that we talk about on a weekly basis on this podcast is it's good to break it open and get it out to to non-teachers and to to a national audience as well. Which is it's great for the edgy futurist message. I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's it, we've we've always said, haven't we, that we know that our thought process and our ideas around schooling and assessment and education, full stop, on um, traditional and they aren't necessarily widespread but um we think if if enough people hear it and we get it in the right spaces then i think there'd be a lot of people that would agree with changing up the system and doing things differently and in the uk just this last week we've all seen uh, some massive challenges that is in are in the education sector in terms of um and by the way i'm a massive proponent. I'm going to be politically, no, no, no qualms about it, no apologies for it. Super supportive of the of the people that, that that were on strike this week to try and change the system for teachers and for people in education. So I, I think like the whole the whole system we've been saying for a long time needs a revolution, needs a, a massive shake up, changing very, very differently. And I think that's what um, for those of you who have, have watched Dan's. Uh, appearance on uh, on 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 the TV this last week. We were just talking before we came on air. What what Dan was trying to say is that we're not trying just trying to fit chat Gpt Gpt or AI or any other kind of tools into an existing system we're saying actually this stuff can help us create a brand new system or a way a way of working so I think that's what we'll uh, try and get into a little bit uh, this evening but yeah it's been uh it's it has been a bit of a whirlwind for you Dan because it's gone it's gone quite quickly hasn't it as well in terms of this whirlwind of uh, chat GPT and AI and and the stuff yeah, that
1: it's kind with that of- Took off, hasn't it? I think a lot of people have just have realised, and I, I think it took a lot of people um, by surprise when this was released. But soon as as soon as you start pointing out the implications for education, um, it, uh I think it makes a lot of people think, "Oh my goodness, like this has got to change. It's got to change. Um, it's it's anything to do with kind of any job that's built around information. And I suppose education is is." is going to be disrupted massively and i know we talk about how education seems to be one of the only industries that has avoided disruption yeah um it just seems to have i mean i know we've we've got ed tech and we we but actually ed tech for the large part just for 99 percent of cases it just goes to support the traditional style of yep. how we do things it hasn't disrupted it's just it's just kind of been an add-on, but I think I think that time is coming, really, where education will be disrupted and we'll have to rethink how we do it. Otherwise, otherwise, we're going to get left behind. I think.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting that from the terminology that we'd use a lot in this is that edtech has traditionally been box one, hasn't it? It's been about engineering things to make things more efficient in the current system. Um, primarily not always some of the stuff that's coming out is is not and we've been quite fortunate to work with some wonderful companies that are, are doing things very very differently but if all we're doing is honing the machine and tweaking the machine and making it more efficient then we're saying that's not enough um and the the revolutionary nature of things like chat gpt are um are, are breaking a mould. They're doing something, they're, they're forcing us to think differently but interestingly Dan and i would be interested to hear what your thoughts on this. I feel like I'm interviewing you now. I feel like Richard Maidley. Um, <laughs> uh, where, where is Judy when you need her? I can't believe that Richard is on the TV without Judy. It's not acceptable. No. Even though I love Susanna. She's well good. Uh, and by the way, she absolutely nailed Matt Hancock. He he was he had nowhere to go. <laughs> we won't get into that right now. But if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. Matt Hancock got absolutely owned by Susanna Reid. But um th- th- this idea of we've talked about disruption, and we all know that there was a massive disruption um a couple of years ago with the uh, with the pandemic. And we always said this is going to change and disrupt education. And it did, um, and we had to rethink things and do things really differently, or, or certainly quite differently, not not fully differently. And our good friend um, Bob Harrison talked about this. Let's make sure the genie does not go back into the bottle uh, or to the lamp, whichever one it was. Whether you're or Aguilera or Aladdin, it's this idea of we, we can't just take it back to how we've always done it. Um, and my worry is that with things like this technology that we're talking about. Is it just going to be one of those things that is just a fad, a nice shiny new piece of kit, and then um, we'll just put it back in a box and we'll just say that's for them? I, I don't think it is, but but I suppose where do you sit on that?
1: Yeah, I think the disruption that came with COVID, it, it had a shelf life, didn't it? It wasn't it it was finite in a in a way. So because we were, school was always going to go back to to normal in a way um because because covid wasn't going to be something that disrupted everything from now on and and if that makes sense so yeah yeah. i think this disruption is very different i think this is going to be i mean i mean i'm using this quote a hell of a lot at the minute but uh mckinsey and company a few years ago said that the next decade will be more disruptive than the last 100 years put together um and I think we're starting to see that reality now with, with tools like chat GPT and that's, that's going to continue. We're going to start having the wow moments that we've had with this regularly. Now um, yeah. I was just reading today about, cause chat GPT is based on GPT three, GPT four uh, is already been trained. So it's not like they're still working on it. Uh, it it's, and it's got 500 times more data so if you think the chat, GPT-3, the one that people are using at the minute, has is has got 300 billion words worth of data that yep. it was trained on. Uh, GPT-4 is 500 times more data. It will also have the benefit of what's going on now with GPT-3. So the reason why they released GPT-3 yep. was for it to learn from humans, interaction with it. So the GPT-4 is gonna have the that learning of what GPT three is doing at the minute also embedded into it. Um so we're gonna we're gonna see this, and when that comes out, it's gonna be another wow moment, I think. I know there's a lot of there's already a lot of folklore and myth, myths around what this is gonna be like. And uh, Sam Altman, the, the CEO of uh, OpenAI has pretty much said you're gonna be disappointed because I think people are hyping it up too much. But I still I still think from what I've read that it's gonna be another wow moment. Google have, have yet to bring out um, their version, um, which I think will be is gonna be impressive. Um from what I'm reading, it's not gonna be as powerful or as um it's not gonna have the the data set that GPT four has got. But um Google are gonna have the knack of putting it in a Google way aren't they? where it's user friendly, where it's where it and also it's they've logical. got a They've yeah, got a they've got a reputation to uphold, haven't they? So they're gonna they're gonna make it a, a, a nice product. So they we're, we're gonna have that benefit. Also, the plugins um to, of this into other other um applications and other tools, um as well as just what's coming down the line. I was, I think I just tweeted yesterday about Google's um I think they've called it is it Google uh, Music LM? I think they might have called it. where it's a text to music generator where you just type in right. Create a song for me that um, has this has sounds like a bit like a disco song. It's got a trumpet in it. It's got this. It's got that. They're also adding the ability so that on your phone you can whistle or hum the melody that's in your head into it, and it'll take the text. It'll take what the what you've whistled or hummed in, and it'll create an original. So not a. It's not going to search for a song that matches what you've put in. It creates um an an original um song based on what you said so we've got that
0: although that first option dan of whistling and humming the tune and you know like two words to or three words to would be a really good thing because obviously you do shazam for checking out what this song is but i always have a song in my mind and can't remember what it is so if if we could add that bit in as well just if anybody's listening (laughs) so
1: it's cool though isn't it like I think for for people who write music as well, that's how a lot of mu- songs start from them being out for a walk and they're getting a melody in their head, yep they try and remember it when they get back literally all they've got to do is hum the melody into their phone and it'll literally create the song for them it's a, it's crazy, but there's obviously like I just I think um going back to, to what you were saying ben The if we don't react to it we're there's already a gulf between between schooling and the world that that yeah. gulf already exists and i know there's the the argument and i know uh daisy who i was on the tv with me makes, makes the argument that were you
0: on the tv school...
1: <laughs> <laughs> that school isn't about isn't just about preparing people for careers um i completely get that however for a lot of people it is and it's i think it's i don't know about you but it's about creating people who will be successful I think so in whatever they do I think that that's kind of my definition of, of education I think it's is to help people be successful not necessarily in a career but if you think most people are going to spend most of their day every day to they're an old person with a career the career bit's pretty important isn't it it's quite quite a vital element and if we're not doing a good job of preparing students for that and and preparing them to be successful. Then I think schooling is 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 not doing its job, and and I do come across teachers who who kind of advocate for this education as an end in itself, and as and we're both ex philosophy teachers, we get that we get the whole idea of education as an end in itself, and yep. we probably understand and to a certain extent sympathise with those values. Um, however, most people don't see that. I think that's a, almost a personal choice of a few people. Um, most people. Want an education so they can go on and apply it and 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 see success in their lives through a career, through through a relationship, whatever it is. So I think um, I think it ha- we have to prepare people for this. We have to prepare people for what they're going to be working with, what they're already working with. Let's be honest. I was with my uh, I've got a brother who's 13, and I was showing him. I got him to I got him to pull up his French homework off it, off the app on his phone his homework app and we stuck it into chat gpt and it, and it did it for him um, now some of you might say well you've just taught him how to cheat well this tool exists and and
0: ultimately that we get into that argument then about what is really cheating because because r- reality is if if the completion of that homework is to do what it surely is yeah. to do Ultimately, I know I've been that I've been that teacher who has set homework because it's my day on the homework timetable, and I found something to give somebody. Now I'm not saying that this French teacher did that, or obviously most of the teachers listen to this. Obviously, don't do that. They only set things that are, uh, are, 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 are genuinely necessary. But the reality is, in that sense is that is that teaching and homework can tend to be just a box ticking exercise. And I I wonder if what, what Daisy was intimating there about coursework not being able to be done at home is that there's there's probably some some movement. I'm not saying Daisy saying this, but there's some movement perhaps towards um this idea that maybe we shouldn't just keep banging loads of homework to students and, and, and getting to that point. And and if we just if we're just putting mind-numbing tasks in people's um, apps or on people's homework diaries just because that's what they should do and the homework is really important um maybe we need to do that ditch that homework that matt miller and uh, and, and Casey Bill were talking about all them years ago and I think my, 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 my take on it is is that I, I don't want my children to be doing work just because or doing homework just because well that's what they're supposed to do and that's what it says um on the on the policy it needs to be meaningful and if if there's a if there's a tool, like chat gpt where they can put that in realistically that requires us as teachers to rethink our modeling rethink our our the homework we set so for instance in that french homework and if you set a piece of french homework that can be answered by an ai machine in seconds likely um then surely your brother should be talking about should be able to justify why it's why it's worded like that and the conversation should there be more of a and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago didn't we with that um that being able to justify it through oral communication and being explained why you've picked what you've done and why you chose that wording and why you did this that is way more of an important skill than just completing the homework for the homework's sake
1: isn't it i think so and i think it's a bit of a false dichotomy if i'm honest like a lot of the debate is, well, we can't set that type of work for homework anymore. I don't think anyone really does, do they? Like when I, I know I'm out of secondary education now, and I have been for over a year, but I don't know anyone who's just said, oh, for your homework, write an essay. Like nobody really does that anyway. It's, it might be like learn something that you bring to the next lesson, like that kind of flipped learning type thing. But, um, it's. I don't know anyone who wasn't doing any homework that then wasn't had to be demonstrated within the next lesson. I think, I think most teachers do that anyway. And to be honest, I think that argument—like I post quite a bit on Twitter about this and, and, and interact with quite a few people—and I must, I must say, it's probably one percent that actually bring who are worried about this technology in terms of plagiarism, and it's not that many people because that's not how that's not how learning works anyway. It's not just, I think, probably, I think in university it does, from my experience at university, um, where at the end of each module we had to write an essay and then hand it in and it got marked. I think that type of system, which, which isn't the most dynamic system at all, um, that's in danger. And they're going to have to really, really rethink what they do because that, it, but I don't think a place like a secondary school or a high school works like that necessarily. It's just not good teaching as no. for a start.
0: No, and it's that stuff that we've talked about for years and years and years. And I know when we worked together, Dan, we talked about this idea of we have to like almost um, kid the exam. So you've got it like ace in an exam and teaching to the test and this idea of, okay, so we used to teach religious studies together and like, okay, we had an eight mark question and that eight mark question needed four points and you need to make sure that you included a quarter as one of them and you've got to refer to a different point of view and you create a framework or a rubric for answering that question and then somehow um the, the young people would would remember that um, and mm. we had little acronyms i don't even remember what they are now but we had little acronyms for the six markers and for the four markers and so that we, we'd make sure that they got everything in they needed to pass that mm. exam well it makes me sick really thinking about that And no, that was a system we had to follow and it's a system that many of our teaching staff still have to follow because the requirement is those high stakes exams but as we come back to again and again and again, that the high stakes exams are just not fit for purpose. They're not the only way to assess, and they're not the fairest way, regardless of what all the the, um, the trads are trying to tell us. It's not. It, it, it absolutely isn't. Mm. And the reason why is because it's not real world, and because there's no way in in life, or nowhere else in real life, where that level of closed book can't ask anybody for help memory test is the on, is the only way because we 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 are privileged to have access to information and 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 we and we, we need to use that effectively so this is just for me an extension onto the onto the development as as a, a um, as humans and and, and and acknowledging technology that Overton window concept of it seemed really really strange and like uh, this is this is not it's like a nation there's all these these pioneers that are trying it and then all of a sudden it just becomes normal and we go past it and yeah this is what we do this
1: yeah i I think to be honest the more and more i delve into this the more i think we've we've made exactly the same arguments before like things like i'm as you were talking there i was thinking about kind of the it has to be a mix of types of assessment doesn't it and yeah and just having all the same going into the exam hall, writing in a paper for three hours, like for every single, and I know it's not like that for every single one because there is still coursework and. Uh, well, and, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. And, and depending on the subject, there might be practicals, like if you're doing sport or, or um, like uh, performing art or something like that. But I think, I think it just has to. We've talked in the past about. What about? And I think it was when it was probably a couple of years ago now when we had like the the guys who do e assessments on yeah the two guys. who One of them, I think, one of them was stood in his kitchen. I've got that yeah. memory for some Alpha, reason. Alpha,
0: Alpha plus, yeah, it was the guys. From yeah. Alpha plus. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, I think, we
1: were talking to them about actually. What about one of the main skills you're going to have to do in the workplace is nobody really gets things done on their own. You, you collaborate on projects. You collaborate on getting things done. So where's the exams that measure? The, the 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 ability to collaborate and, and and work on something where where's that assessment where's that exam and I think it's the same argument now but I, I would say we we need to measure how students collaborate with the technology as well so because you can't just go if I mean you know you use chat GPT and you can't you could you couldn't just go in and go right write this for me and I'll hand it in because it you're not you're not going to get the marks you need but if you were able to go back and forth with it and show demonstrate that you can you can elicit the results out of this that you need to in order to be successful at a certain project or whatever and you've got the questioning skills you've got the dialogue skills you've got the critical thinking skills to then apply it and then apply it i think you could easily build an assessment process around that where ai is part of the process yep and um and the student is still succeeding in demonstrating skills, and I think there's the other side of it. There, in fact, this is the when I went on to I tell you I was on TV. When I went on to TV, I, uh, I had this argument in my head. It was only the one thing I had in my head that I wanted to try and get out, and I, I don't think I did in the end. But um, I think because it was the whole idea of um, AI within a, within exams, and I, and there was there's that side of it of students using AI, but also what about what if the assessment was ai driven so you were it was able to ask you a question you answered it and then based on your answer it took you down another route yes it took you down another route and and the exam was completely personalized to you um because who like let's say me and you both both work for the same company ben and we're both tasked with the same thing we're probably not going to take the same route we might both absolutely smash the task and do really well at it but I might go off on a tangent and it might I might go do something else, sit research something else do you might go and do like we go on completely different paths, but we'll still get to a successful result whereas a static exam can't facilitate that type of thought process, that type of working whereas AI can might be to go on that journey with the student and still get it to cr- still get the student to cross a, a line of success if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. And I think um it, it ties into as well this idea. So actually, what we're saying there is using AI for it for we, we think that students should be able to use it as long as it's part of a broader um assessment piece. It's not the only way to be assessed, and we actually think that, that justification, that 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 measuring of collaboration stuff sits in there. And and, and you're also saying actually AI can help us create those. Personalized pathways that we've been talking about and banging on about in terms of personalized problem-based learning and all that kind of stuff that is bespoke for the, based on the answers that you've been given. That's bang on, actually. Um, oh, by the way, just before I uh, before we before we move on, I'm just going to sh- that Dan. You talked about that um, that episode. I found it on. It's not actually on YouTube anymore, but it's there on uh, on Facebook. Oh. And look, look at that! Look at that! Look how, look how thin I look. Uh, oh my you know, look. Dan, look at all your hair. I had hair. Um, <laughs> I oh, no, it's, it's after 2020 as well, so it was in 2020. So it's almost... I knew there was a guy
1: in a, in a kitchen stood next to an auger. Like that's, yeah, that's the one image I've doing. taken from that <laughs> from that interview.
0: So for those of people who are just listening, check it out on YouTube. But um, <laughs> there's that that episode <laughs> with with, uh, with John and uh, Gavin from Alpha Plus. But I think that that point you've just made there about uh, using AI for. Um, personalized exams and personalized assessment is, is 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 gold i think it's also interesting to, to to think about this that those people who are opposed to using ai for students or banning it for students um and and um not and that's not just daisy that's there's lots of people that are talking about it there's people that have written um uh applications and and created um what they called them, uh, we get people to sign online what they call petitions to try, and, oh, yeah, try yeah. and get try and get the government to ban it in in this and that you're like there's pe- there's lots of people doing that but interestingly um some of the people are suggesting that it should be allowed for teachers but not allowed for students so people marking it yes let's have it or wait people creating lessons do it but students shouldn't and i think to myself hold on a minute there's a there's a there's a massive in logic right there. And there's a massive inequality to suggest that it's okay for teachers to use. It's okay for adults to use. It's okay for people as professionals to use, but not the children. Um, let's leave the children to do the real
1: learning. I, I just think, hold on a minute.
0: I know.
1: It, it's, it's just, that's just a dick move. And all these, these companies scrambling to get AI plagiarism checking software. Absolutely, like, get out like seriously we don't need it we don't need it you're trying to keep us in the box you're trying to keep it in the box like we need to move out we need to get away from that type of system and the failing as well I think I I think I mentioned this the other day about (laughs) the I'll not say where but I mentioned it uh, and uh, (laughs) I was so funny because I was on the train and I I noticed somebody tweet about this uh, I think it's GPT Zero, it's called GPT Zero X or something like that. <laughs> this new plagiarism checker. No, but... And I was like, I was like, ri- I, I I I just knew, I knew it wasn't gonna work. As soon as I saw it pop up, I was like, it can't work. It can't. I've been playing with this intensively. Um, so I got to I was got, I was on my way to a hotel, got to the hotel and uh opened it up, went on to chat GPT, got it to create some content for me, and I was fairly like in-depth with it Um, because I thought I want to give this a run for its money. Because if I was a clever student, I wouldn't just be going, write this essay for me. I'd be saying, here's an essay I've written before. Copy my style, make spelling mistakes, make grammar mistakes, write it at at my age level. I'd be being clever with it. So I did something very similar, did that uh, on a certain topic, um, copied and pasted it in, and it said, this is likely written by a human. And it wasn't. I thought,
0: School the system, you school the you system. You can't,
1: you can't like. I just and even, um, I, I saw a quote from again from Sam Altman, who the CEO of Open AI, who's who said recently that, um, in fact, I might have the quote here. Uh, where is it? It was the quote was provided by Matt Miller, who was actually on the, in the studio, wasn't he, back in the day?
0: Yeah, he was. In, well, um, I think he was number two or number three. I think he was really early on. We got we got a big name in Matt Miller at that time.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's even bigger now. He's like a superstar in America. Yeah, he is, yeah. Uh, so Sam Ottman uh, said there may be ways we could help teachers be a little more likely to detect output of GPT-like systems, but honestly, a determined person will get around them. Um, and I, I think I, I tweeted about it. I showed it on, so I think it's true. Um, but there is... Um, there is something that's just come out. I think the OpenAI have just created that almost like their own plagiarism checker, or their way to. It's a tool that then says this was created by OpenAI. I haven't had a chance to have a go at it yet, but they're obviously kind of throwing a bone at, at those concerns. And I'd be interested to see if it actually is completely foolproof. Considering yeah. Sam Altman himself said, himself said that it probably wouldn't be.
0: I think I think there's a again there's there's a philosophical flaw that sits in here, which is like what is cheating and what is what is plagiarism? Because let's 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 call a spade a spade. Like none of us have got an original idea. None of us, none of us, have come up with something. It's just us. Like we may, we may well be re-spinning something that already exists, or we might be respinning something to an audience that we've never seen before. We were just talking off air that we've, uh, we've both used um, a quote this week. Different quotes and and like we we haven't we haven't always referenced exactly who said it. Most of the time, we, we forget who says it because I'm, I'm I'm ridiculous. I hear loads of people and I talk to loads of people and I read lots of stuff and I think I'm not actually can't to remember where I got that from. I've nicked it probably, but like we're all kind of a sum of our connections we're a sum of the books we've read the podcasts we've listened to the discussions we've had with other people the lessons we've been in the the TV programs we've we've watched like like nobody's really really um uh that 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 person either so
1: Interesting. That, oh so, yeah, I've just put on the screen just to back up what it's you're just, saying. Really, in
0: the this, in, this, in the same podcast that we've done, we've shared our screen. It's like we've got it <laughs> so, Like it's like a proper proper thing. It's because Steve's not
1: here. This is from a presentation that Mark Miller um, gave it. Uh, I think it might be an FATC in America last week, and and they've kind of he's kind of come at it from the same point of view of plagiarism isn't a black and white thing. It's a scale, and if you see yeah, here, it. he's put he's so he's got at the top like student uh used a prompt and copied the response that's like the far end of the the scale the other end student wrote all the assignment content without consulting ai it's completely original but then there's a whole lot in between so student consulted ai for ideas and then wrote their own version student wrote the main ideas and then ai generated a draft student created multiple ai responses and the student used the best parts of those responses the I created a response, but then the student read and edited and adjusted and submitted. There's so this this it's a scale here that we're talking about, and and I think what you're saying there, Ben, is we do this all the time. Yep. We do this, like if I'm writing something and I need some ideas, I'll go and do a bit of research. I'll go and read articles that are on it to get it generating ideas in my mind, and and then I, I think yeah, I think I think it's a I think the whole argument of of plagiarism i think is a it's a null argument i think it's it's a valid argument in the current system yeah and if we want it if we if we all, if education system decides it is a valid argument because we're keeping the current system then i think we we've just missed well a massive massive um opportunity to update the system which, which I don't think we'll get away with, because it's, it's the technology will just carry on improving and carry on improving until, like we've talked about in the past, the the alternatives will be here. So, yeah. Sora School, Synthesis School, where they're teaching yeah, students how to use AI, they're teaching students how to problem solve. And who, if you're a parent, you've got a choice whether to send your your kid to a to an, albeit an online school, but they're they're learning real um modern day skills how to use ai how to problem solve or you send them to a school that is burying its head in the sand i know i know what i would choose yeah
0: well this is this is it as well and and, and actually just Dan, will you just put that can you put that back up again because i yeah, just, just wanted just to uh just just to think about like I, I, I think about my university qualifications and I think about uh the essays that I wrote, dissertations, whatever else. And and the whole principle behind that is always that you should be using you never have an original thought, do you? Whenever we, we, like as in uh when you write an academic essay, you intended to use other people's quotes reference them using the Harvard referencing system and you get penalized Mm. if you don't use it properly but realistically i
1: I was just on the back of that i was listening to a podcast the other day and and the guy said um if you copy one person's work it's called plagiarism but if you copy 10 10 people to work. It's called referencing.
0: That's (laughs) that's it. This is it. I have not seen that. And my point is, like the whole, like if you think about what university essays are supposed to, academic essays are supposed to do, you're supposed to use a quotation in context, reference it to say where it's from, and then be able to justify it and explain it and make sure that it fits your argument. Now, what we're saying here is, and, and, and I'm personally of the belief that we should use AI and openly use AI uh, and, and not no pun on no pun used uh, intended to talk about open AI. What I'm suggesting is that actually if we're using AI tools, then we need to talk about what we got from the AI and then and then reference that. so we have we've, we've got this piece of information and rather than just putting it in carte blanche and then I've just copied that response right at the top of that scale that you're talking about there. I would suggest that is not doing the right thing, but to use that tool, and then to put your own spin on things, or to 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 take things and make it in such a way that you can um, create multiple a student creates the multiple AI responses, and then use the best parts, edit it, and then submit it. puts their their spin on it, has critical thinking around it, has considered what the prompts are going to be, and all the things that sit with that. Then I think that's a, a well worthwhile skill and a, and a, and I think I, I would definitely not consider that to be cheating I think that's a really wise concept because in the same way that when I was doing my dissertation and I was having to get um you, you have to do interviews and all the stuff that sit with that well I listened to what they had to say and applied that to my own thinking and it changed the way that I think that is real learning that's real but I suppose how can we how can we maintain the raw learning um exam factory money making machine if we if we're going to if going to be this disruptive and i think it's super disruptive um and i think the reason why people are fighting and the reason why people are people are arguing is because it's it's too disruptive nobody really wants that that much disruption do they
1: it's <laughs> interesting i wonder if we will get to a point where student essays at university you just reference in the ai so i spoke to- <laughs> I spoke to Jack GPT and it said this.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? So, so uh, I think we've we've been. I think we're at a quite a pivotal moment in in, in both the edge futurist journey, but the the a pivotal moment in terms of education. And I, I, and like you said, that 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 McKinsey quote, like the disruption that's going to happen, the changes that are going to happen in the next ten years are, are going to be monumental in comparison to what's come before, and we're almost like we all we all watch shift happens when we were when we were early teachers probably and that when we watch that shift happens and it talks about the amount of uh, information that was in somebody's in shakespeare's time um uh, is in a weekly edition of the new york times so the per the like the amount of information that a person in a lifetime in shakespeare's time is now what somebody will be able to read in a week's worth of the new york times like the the, and that's it, probably got even faster because you I, I'm even quicker. So, you think we can, we can either, as you've said this multiple times, we can either um, put our heads in the sand and try and push it away, or we can embrace it and think maybe we do need this level of disruption. We've, we've mentioned on the podcast a n- number of times that, um, and I think it was, uh, I think it. I think we had a guest on who talked about this specifically, saying that the and you'll know this, Dan. I'm guessing, um, who talked about the the biggest disrupt the the big the next big unicorn is going to be some uh, an education mm. private. Yeah,
1: educator. it was uh, Gerd Leonard, wasn't it?
0: Oh yeah, Gerd Leonard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that futurist. So, so it, 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 it's coming here, um, and 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 whether we want to stand against it and think we can stand against it, or and they're gonna.
1: I think that's the scary thing for, um, for education that in a way, and I suppose it's kind of like what David was saying on last week's episode. Was it, was it David?
0: Yeah. Yeah. David. T. Hey, David. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It was when he, cause I was at one point, I was trying to make the argument that the education system needs to get on board, and he, his argument was actually, um, it, it never will. It never will. It's gonna. It's gonna have. It's gonna have to kind of die out. Um, and I think, in a way, I think it's. It's interesting now. I'm thinking about it more. I'm like, maybe it is inevitable because, even if it, even if the intention is there, to go right, let's incorporate it. It's too big of a beast, to, to to have the agility to move fast. Whereas, the, what we're seeing coming down the line in terms of the these innovative. Online schools can it because they're private companies can adapt, can be agile in a matter of days and months, whereas the education system needs needs years, needs decades. And but this surely this is the this is the
0: biggest issue, isn't it? Because what what we're saying is is that it's not agile. We we're expecting our young people to be agile, and we need them to be agile. And 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 absolutely, the world is moving at a pace that. Um, it needs to be, but I'll say the same same old story. Education is not agile. Like the system is not agile. It's not, in fact, systems full stop don't tend to be agile unless they're built in an agile way. We're talking about like technology stacks needing to be agile and needing to, if you whatever you build your, your technology on needs to be able to be adapted, or else you're going to have to unpull pull down all the structure and then rebuild it again. It's the same principle with with education. I think, I think like the 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 level of um system that needs to do something extremely different um we're talking about extremes here I, and this is not just being that guy at the front of a of a um, of a conference where he's fisting the air having too much red bull like saying this absolutely needs to happen and i, I worry that perhaps it's too late for my own kids because my kids are well embedded in the system at twelve and eight, I think yours are less embedded. But it's coming to it. Is it going to move fast enough for your kids, Dan? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. So then, so then, but that doesn't mean we should stop. But I think look at look at how look at the wonderful people who have gone before us: Ken Robinsons and Jim Knights and Bob Harrisons and 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 the, and the others that the. the mick waters and and all them people that have been like we need to do something different we need to do something different at some point some point somebody's gonna go yeah these are right but you're right you're saying that it's not
1: like it isn't because when i was with daisy the other day we were chatting and um, by the way she's even though itv had split us the kind of pit us against each other uh she's she's like she's she's really lovely she's like uh, like like really nice to talk to and um um uh, just a really really she came across as a really lovely person um who i enjoyed chatting to actually she was when we were waiting to go on and and i i kind of put that to her because i was like I, I kind of took it as an opportunity to go right here's my ideas or here's here's the ideas that we're exploring about about the future of work and exams and and i kind of put a few things to her and i was like i'd love to know your your justification for trying to keep this system in that traditional model when this is happening, this is happening. And we were having a really good conversation around it. And I think one of the one of the things she said was is that she thinks it's well it it's it's not school's place to do that. It's the workplace's place to do that. Like if you're going to go into a workplace and you need to work in a specific way, well, then it's up to the workplace to train you to do that. And her argument was her argument was: we can all remember those first few weeks of work where we didn't have a clue what to do. But she was like, "You, you learn it. You got on with it. You learned from the people around you. You did the training, and after a while, you, you became good at it, and you got a promotion. You got you, were, you became an expert at it." Um. And she said, "Her argument was that's what people have. That's what people do. That's how it's how it's been done." Um. So it's interesting that kind of argument of well, that's not the place of school. I, I don't agree at all. Um, because no. why why why, why not prepare for them and just dump them in a deep ocean and see if they can swim? Why not actually and, and, train and, them to swim?
0: And, and ultimately the, the the gap's too big. So we're not talking about just learning how to use a spreadsheet. We're talking about a whole different way of working um now because of the use of technology it's not it, that's not a, a relevant um or, or a relatable argument Yeah, yeah
1: it isn't. Yeah, and I think if if the system isn't prepared, because in fact, I, it's coming to me as I'm talking now, my response to her, I think, was something around, well, well, well then, then school's not relevant. Because why, why would you want to sit in an hour's worth of lessons from being 11-year-old to 18-year-old if it doesn't have any real-world relevance and it's just learning for the sake of learning? And then when it's actually when you leave school that like, you learn the skills that are relevant to what you want to do. Interesting. Um, and, and I think that's probably the, that is the position we're in right now, isn't it? Yeah. And that's why um, a third of students last year didn't pass, a third didn't pass their GCSE maths and English. Yeah. It's why students post COVID are just aren't going back to school. The amount of students who, who are off the radar and the system doesn't know where they are, the massive safeguarding concern that is because students have been away from school and thought, I don't want to go back to that. It's yeah. not relevant. It's not relevant. Um, it, yeah. It's um. It's uh. I think we have to do better, don't we? And it, the, I was listening to an interview the other day. It was with the guy who brought in GCSEs. I forget his name now. He's an old guy, old fella. Um, but he he brought uh, he yeah I forgot yeah he uh, he helped bring in GCSEs and now he advocates for getting rid of them. Because his his whole point is, well, I brought, I helped bring them in because they were the they were kind of the, the end point, Uh but now that education goes on to eighteen in the UK, he's like, there's no relevance.
0: Keith Josephs, it is right. he right. says he he uh, introduced them. Oh, Kenneth? My... No, Kenneth Baker, you mean? Kenneth, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was that's the education it, secretary at the time. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. that's... Interesting.
0: Yeah. It, it is interesting, and I wonder. I do. I do wonder, like, um if we've seen, way well, fact. I know some of the stats suggest that homeschooling numbers have gone up dramatically between twenty twenty one to twenty twenty three.
1: Like, I've never heard more people talk about homeschooling than I have in exactly. these last few months. I hear, exactly. like, in fact, I was saying it to Stefan Powell when he was on. Yeah. Like, when a few years ago, if someone said to me homeschooler, I'd I'd either think. Somebody in America on I mean, it. I'll not say any need anything derogatory, but or or like a hippie family. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's what I would think of, and I don't. I, again, I don't mean to be derogatory, but that's just the bias that that I had. But now I'm saying just proper,
0: normal. Is what you're going to say? That's what you're going <laughs> to say. The way, but I'm saying just
1: like people who I wouldn't expect. Again, it's, yeah. um, I'm really showing just um, displaying my biases at the minute, but. um but I think it's got it's got a happy ending. That I'm I'm learning from from it because because I'm seeing now just lots of people who who are doing it as a as a choice who don't necessarily have to do it um, and are doing it for normal reasons and are doing it because they feel like they actually can do a better job. And I saw uh, was it a Chrisman Frank, the the co-founder of Synthesis. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah tweeted yesterday or today saying something about he would he'd, he'd uh, retweeted someone like it was supposed to be like a funny tweet by a teacher who said do you realize I, i've just realized that when i do my seating plan i use the good kids as blockers <laughs> and, I, and i thought actually i remember doing that right yeah. i'll put a good kid there because it'll be like a barrier between that kid and that kid and he'd retweeted it this tweet and just said another reason why why homeschooling is a good thing and i thought that's i don't know if i can argue with that if you're if you've got a good kid and that's the school's using them as a blocker just to stop two bad kids having a conversation like do you want your kid going to that school and that's regular practice yeah we're taught taught how to do a good seating plan by by doing using that methodology
0: yeah yeah and it's, it's it's madness, isn't it? It's madness. It's, it's that whole idea that well, I have a I have an eight year old, as as many of you who are listening will will know. I have an eight year old and a twelve year old, but my eight year old um, regularly comes home and says, and I say, oh, tell me about your day, what's going on, and we have them conversations. Um, and I know that on our episode with uh, Andy and Will from the from the Art of Brilliance, I was asking the wrong questions. But like some of the conversations that um, I have with them, and, and regularly, Martha comes home and talks about um, uh, be, that she's been helping the teacher today, and that uh, she's been like she did her, she'd finished her work, and she was there to help the other children understand it. And she, the teacher asked her to explain it, not tell them the answers, but explain it in a way that they would understand. And all, I think to myself, and I did say to her once, uh, more than once, that like, I've have they paid you half of the salary that lesson because like she's as an eight-year-old is now and and yes we love that i love the fact that she's developing those skills and dah, 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 dah. but like what about her learning what about like wh- why she why is she taing for somebody else and why is she doing that little bit for other people if i was just looking at it black and white on that picture but interestingly yeah. that that idea of um homeschooling again from from based on what you're saying there at I think I'd kill my kids, if I'm honest. Um, it's always <laughs> old school, and I, I, the pandemic was uh, was enough for me. And it takes a special set of parents, really. But if you've got the right skills and you've got mm. the right tools, because I think ultimately that's the other thing as well, is that if you've got the right online tools, you've got the right in-person tools, and you've got... <laughs> I, I, I think it's going is... go through the crap. It's just, there's just the social uh... element. That's the bit, though, isn't it? We know that.
1: And then social just using... I think about that, and I think we're just using school for the social element. Is it worth it? Why not? I mean, your your girls go in, go to clubs and they swim in and sport clubs.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Could you
1: could they not go to a could like could the be could they be like two hours online? It is it's something like synthesis school. Like then they go off mm-hmm. and do their their to their sports club or whatever. Then they go off and they spend some time in a. Doing a work experience for an hour a day somewhere and checking out yep. different, different and different and and then do another skills do development. Uh, yeah, I'm like a music lesson. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I, I genuinely think because I used to think it was when you when you'd say homeschooling again, I I had that image. about and I think it's getting onto what you were saying about about not being able to cope with it. And I had that image of almost like uh, an exam desk sat in the middle of the living room, <laughs> all the books piled up, <laughs> yeah, the kid yeah. like kid just not interested in the parent pulling the hair out trying to teach them math when they didn't know math themselves. Yeah. Like that's a and I swore that that's a bloody horrific scenario. Yeah. Like that's awful. And all that's going to do is traumatise the kid and traumatise the parent and actually yeah. probably damage the relationship. Well it would damage the relationship, wouldn't it? But but when I hear about things that like what Stefan was saying about how actually for homeschooling for them is just their son takes part in their their lives goes to work with them they they take them into the forest and they explore things like that and and i, I noticed there's um I'm, i live just on the, the border of northumberland and there's a up at hadrian's wall there's like this uh, visitor center and they're doing sessions at the moment during the day for homeschoolers where they can go up take their kids up and they, they go into the forest and uh there's like a local author comes and tells them stories and things like that well um, good. yeah i'm like but a lot of people will go, well, how is that education? Because you're not sitting them down, and they're not writing in a book, and they're not learning things from how can they get from examined on that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is a valid point, though, isn't it? Like, how do you quantify what they're learning if if it's almost in a freestyle way like that? So, so interestingly, and
0: I think this ties into a, a, another conversation that I've had today. So I'm chair of governors at a, a primary school and uh, I I had privilege to walk around the school today um and I was just going to I went into every one of the classrooms and the children were telling me what they were doing it was totally unprompted they, they didn't know I was coming the teachers didn't know I was coming they, and the children were were brilliantly being able to tell me why they were doing what they were doing and what where it, what what it was and what they were learning and and like some of them wanted to show me what they'd done it was it was it was lovely but my fit and and I went into all the classes like I said and some of the like the key stage two ones that were that were doing some tough work and working in books and working from questions that were on the board and all that kind of stuff as well as some that were sewing and doing a little bit of stuff like that. But then I went into early years and reception, and um, they're my favourite places to go. Like and the reason why and and actually the head teacher who. Um, who, who at the school says if he's having a if he's having a tough day, he goes down to early years and he goes down to where well, he goes down to nursery, he goes down to reception because he knows that the kids will be really pleased to see him. He can have a bit of fun. He can do things that aren't going to do his head in. And I was walking through and I was and I was watching. So there was a group of kids playing with some Play-Doh and they were cutting it with plastic scissors and they were making it into shapes and they were telling me about what they were doing and why uh, this is three and four years old, explaining to me what they were doing. Another group that were reading a book together and I don't know if they were reading it or they were just looking at the pictures. Another group that were doing some drawing, another group that were playing with some cars another group. And all these kids were just having the time of their life, loving it, and the way that the teachers and the TAs worked was that they were going where the children were, asking them what they were doing, why they picked that, why they've chosen them things, talking to them about that, asking them questions about it, that level of personalised like uh, assessment, because that's what I would call it, and and I know that they have to put that in a framework, and they have to put that against the uh, 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 early years goals and all the stuff that goes with that, but... Like I just thought to myself, and I said, I said to the to the head teacher, I went, "Why does this change? Why, when they leave nursery and reception, do we go into a formal system? Why can't we do this continuous provision, this 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 child led learning and interest? And we've seen these people, we've seen the agoras, we've seen the um, the other schools that were people that we've uh, that we've talked about Yakov Hecht and the stuff about the children choosing what they learn and how they learn." and i think ah surely just surely there's more than um than just running the system and and, and maintaining it and i think that that's the that's the edge if i could build a school and we talk about this all the time will we ever build an edge future school <laughs> one day what we do um that's, that's done very very differently um I, I think i'd want to build it around continuous provision this play this child led learning that people get to the young people get to just kind of Experience stuff and out in the outdoors and doing cool stuff and doing things they're interested in, not what some old white bloke has, has written on a specification and says that they need to know this. And it's really important they understand Shakespeare's sonnets. <laughs> like,
1: I know I, I was wrestling with that the other day, and it almost felt like I was being almost sacrilegious by questioning it in my mind. It was so strange. But that whole, like, the curriculum that we have. How arbitrary is it? Like, who decides that that's what you need to know by that age? White and people, it,
0: white men—that's who decides.
1: <laughs> and actually, you don't remember it. You don't know it. I, I've, I often think about this, and I, I, I think it's different for primary school because they teach you the, the building blocks, especially how to read, write. Um, I think, but when you then go into secondary school. It, it all seems very arbitrary. Why do you need to... like? I think of a geography lesson. Why do I need to know about the... the... Features
0: of a V-shaped valley, were you going to say? Yeah,
1: like... <laughs> why that and not another thing? Why... Mm. And by the way, I, I'll never need to know that. And I'll probably not need to know the other thing either. So why are we doing that?
0: And ultimately, the reality is if I do ever need to know what the features of a V-shaped valley are, I will be able to Google it, won't I? Yeah. So, so that, that's... When it was created, we didn't have that that luxury. And interestingly, um, that that thought process of um, primary schools build, creating the building blocks of reading, writing, communication, all that kind of stuff, well, I absolutely agree that that's what they should do. Um, mm. And I don't think – I'm not trying to suggest that, oh, we can just throw them straight in and they'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. But I think learning phonics and learning reading and writing – by in in a way that is appealing to the children and that the children choose is way more is way more impressive for me and way more important. So like I've got a cup here that's got that's got three sounds in it. Okay. And how do I form those sounds? Well then I've picked this cup up and therefore like well what rhymes with cup up I don't know any of the words that rhyme Uh, with cup. Do you know what I mean? But like Asking children to think about words and making up words and, and thinking about that is way more important because that's what's in front of them and that's what they're talking about. And yeah. then you can talk. That's that's it, isn't it? For me,
1: it is. A, it's interesting. You it just reminded me that because uh, I've just one of the guys on my team. I've just created a new role for him. He's now the immersive lead at, at, at the at college, and he's he's taken on kind of lead leading the immersive spaces. We've got like the extended reality spaces, and um, he told me that in our immersive room last week he said oh we've got we've got a maths class coming in and, I'm, and I, I remember like walking away thinking what are these, what, what are maths gonna do in there because we're like you, you can do some really cool stuff in there you can recreate environments um so like a lot of the, like, the healthcare students recreate like hospital environments or emergency environments public youth, public uh services uniform services they recreate um, english recreate different environments for different um stories they're looking at and things like that but i was thinking maths what are they going to do and then i caught up with him a few days later and he talked about how they they'd essentially created real like like the imagery of rockets taken off within this immersive space and then the students had to work out the 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 angles and the of course of course it's it's a place designed to have an experience so you don't just do maths in there you create an experience where well, that's where well. you can. And it's it's about having that imagination, isn't it? And it and it, yeah. I suppose it comes back to that relevance. Where did, where's why where's the relevance in it? Um and I get that for the for things like maths, for things like English, because I think they're at the core of of a lot of the things we need. But then is it the same for like a geography, history? I feel like almost the system's been set up to to create encyclopedias <laughs> for that, for that just in case model. You know, yeah. you yeah. have it like remember back in the old day and we had, we, I remember going into school, not, it wasn't encyclopedias, but we had, there was one lot, was one computer in the library at school. And I remember you got 40 minutes for your lunch and you could book it for 10 minutes. And there was always like, there was, all, it was always just one computer. So that's what four different slots. And so every day there was like a demand for it, and if you got it once a week, you were lucky. And and you know what you did? What because the only thing you could do was it was um was insert the Encarta CD and search. <laughs> and literally all you all all you do is and it was amazing. I think this wasn't that long ago. This was like around the year two thousand. Like I was in year seven in ni- nineteen ninety seven. So we luck look, looking very very late nineties into the t- into the two thousands highlight was sticking the Encarta CD into this computer and just being able to search for whatever I wanted. It was amazing. You could just go and find information on things um it, it, that was like entertainment it was it was amazing and and I think almost it is like that if you can't the education system is almost designed to to turn someone into Encarta. Yeah first of all, it can't happen. Just can't happen. Look at look yep. at it. Nobody remembers ninety nine percent of the stuff they learn at school. They just don't. So it's impossible. And secondly, like you just said before, don't need it. Yeah, we've got Carter on a CD. Well, we've got ChatGPT. Let me just ask it a question. It's not needed. So what is needed? I think that's where. I know, I'm sure some people will be listening to this thinking these guys are advocating getting rid of a lot of things, but what are they advocating replacing it with? And I think that's the replacement, isn't it? The way we go, well, what is needed in it is the things like showing students how to be human, the skills of humanity, of empathy, of 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 creativity, of critical thinking, of, of what's wrong with showing students and and teaching students and getting students to learn about how to live in this world, how to interact with a computer, but also another human in an, in an efficient way. I think there's, I think when for so long, we haven't used our imaginations and we're going to, we're going to have to start using our imaginations. Otherwise we're going to fail our children and ultimately we're going to f- fail society.
0: 100%. And I think that's uh that's it. That's, that's the, the bit we are talking about. There is a solution. There is an option. And, uh, Actually, look at this, this is like an almost perfect segue that on the 4th of May 2023 in Leeds in the UK, we are going to be um, having an uprising. It's an event where we're bringing together people from all around the world. Literally, we're going to have people from all around the world yeah, in, having a conversation, celebrating people who are who are really doing this to to prepare children and young people and adults even for for a future that's very very different from from what we see now. We, we we're excited to dream and to to plan and to to collaborate really to to pull that together and. Um, we're very, very excited um, about that. You can um, we, we're releasing stuff all the time. You can still, as the time of this episode going out, you can still nominate for um, these awards if you go to um, uh, uprising edgyfuturist.com. See, I, n- I never <laughs> forgot. uprising.edgyfuturist.com. You can go and nominate for people coming to the awards, who, people who, who deserve to win. So going up, we've got eleven categories, I think, in there. So ten categories to go in and nominate in there. But also, you can book your tickets to come and join us. Come and be part of that. We don't. We, this we do not ever profess. In fact, two or three years ago, when we first started talking about being edgy futurist, um we get we get called the edgy futurist, Me, Steve, and Dan. Um, but actually, we've we've been really trying to m- make the point continuously that edufuturists are all all these people that are trying to think about the future of education and push the push the envelope are the edufuturists, and we are the edufuturist type of thing. So come and join us. We're doing an uprising. It's going to be an immense immense event. um There's loads more that we're going to be announcing over the next few weeks. um We've got some exciting people that are going to be there um and some exciting companies that are going to be joining us and some exciting stuff that's going to be happening so yeah probably the,
1: the best time for it yeah sorry uh, yeah, yeah it's probably the best time for it considering what's going on yeah I think there's a lot of people who'd never considered other ways of doing things are starting to do that now yeah um are starting to go actually we need, we need to learn more
0: and 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 we yeah. put this in place well before Chat GPT got launched to the mainstream. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> we, we, we know we, we are we we want you to be part of this. So 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 go over and check out that. And also we are this is episode two hundred and six. So there are lots and lots of episodes in the back catalogue. Um, go and have a listen to them. And uh, and most importantly, I well, will say most importantly. I don't know if it's most importantly. It's certainly important. All these are important, so let's not have them in priority order. Com. you can sign up and get our uh, our content that's coming out um, on a weekly basis, loads and loads of stuff that's coming out. Um, I'm, I, I, that's my favourite part of the week, if I'm honest. I like doing the podcast, but I like pulling out and having a look at what we're, what we're thinking about as a, as a three, um, what the what people are writing as is, is part of the essay. So Com to sign up for that if you haven't done so already.
1: Yeah, we should probably do it at the top top of the show really shouldn't we
0: yeah probably because <laughs> people might not have got this long like, hey, Mom, thanks for sticking with us to this end uh, <laughs> also
1: <laughs> uh new dan. logo
0: oh dan dan's put a new logo in. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he's checked this out with steve yet so has steve agreed the new logo
1: well it is the new it's the new, it's the logo for uprising
0: yeah so oh. that's the that's the uprising logo in there for the edge but but uh yeah it's a new logo we know that we know that Dan gets uh, gets a little bit excited, and he did actually say it just before we went on. A, he went, "Yeah, he had ten minutes spare beforehand, so I'll uh, <laughs> put it all together and I'll have a little bit of a play." He likes doing that. So. It's been right. a good one. like not yeah. no, Steve, but we still managed to do seventy-one minutes, um, which is uh, which is good. Which is That's good. It's good, not yeah. quite um, a record, but it's almost there.
1: Next next week we've got uh, Samson Wazum Wambuzi and Erin Fitzgerald from Yeah um yeah. so doing some amazing yeah. stuff in africa with the with the schools that they're they're creating um Sweet. so looking forward to that that's the first time i've ever done that is it like said what's coming up next time
0: yeah i'm, yeah. I'm not here this next week so oh yeah uh, yeah the next two weeks actually i'm i'm aware so enjoy that don't uh don't miss me too much lads and uh yeah look forward to listen to it. if in fact I, I will listen to it i know you lads never listen to it when i'm not here when you're not here but i, I will i will so gents it's gents uh, there's it's not just me about. and you. It's just <laughs> us. To Dan, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks thanks for joining us, even though you are a celebrity. You are um well done this week, mate, mate. Well done this week, mate. Cheers.
1: Uh yeah, I'm off to bed. See you later. <laughs>